Good morning again. This morning, I've asked Maya Thompy to share her grace story as Maya comes uh, up. Grace story is the name we give to life stories that we share during the services here at Grace Redeemer Church. It's a grace story because by God's grace alone, we are ever able to taste, to glimpse God pushing away death. We're only able to glimpse and taste any healing and wholeness and restoration in our lives. And Maya's story is a story of resurrection power, of God bringing her to faith in Jesus, of pushing away death, of answering prayer. And in a world that is so often filled with darkness, Maya's story reminds us that God continues to shine his life-giving, life-refreshing light into our lives. Thank you, Maya. Because he lives. Good morning to all of you. My name is Maya. I was born into an Orthodox Hindu family and was raised to practice Hindu rituals and beliefs. Anti-Christian sentiments got discussed during family time. I was deeply drawn into palmistry, dreams interpretation, astrology, and the spiritual world. I started having out-of-body experiences, which were terrifying. These experiences that most yogis would desire to have was a curse for me. I became increasingly aware of the presence of a higher power and started thirsting after it, spending time in temples and praying privately for that higher power to reach out to me. Out of the many mantras that my mother and grandmother taught me, the only mantra that stuck to my heart was, Lord, please save me. This became my prayer and top-of-the-mind recall wherever I went to worship in temples. Little did I know that he would eventually honor this prayer. My family and I had very restricted interactions with Christians. The Christians that were close to my parents never shared the love of Christ with them. The school that I went to was a secular one. Nobody was allowed to preach any religion, but there definitely was the dominance of Hinduism. Music was taught to all the students, because we were an exclusive school and only children from the community were admitted to the school. The music teacher, who came from a Catholic background, taught us hymns that had Jesus' name replaced by God, the Lord, Almighty, etc. But since most of them were from the Word of God, it never went void. They seeped into my spirit, and from the day that I came to know the Lord, I recalled most of them and could sing them. During my postgraduate studies, I had a miraculous escape in a motorbike accident. While everyone involved had bruises and fractures, I escaped only with a hairline fracture despite not wearing a helmet and being flung a good 20 feet from the motorbike. I felt God's hands protecting me and placing me safely on the spot that I fell on. My mother believed that it was my grandfather's soul and his karmas that had protected me that night. I knew that I had been preserved for a purpose. That's when Donald, who was my senior from college and who is my husband today, started sharing about Christ, but I would have none of that. I asked him to keep his God to himself. He stopped sharing about Christ, but continued praying for me. That day of glory came, and the risen Lord revealed himself to me. The power of his spirit made me weep for my sins and my people. I would would zealously share the gospel with my family members, hoping for one of them to accept him. 
I have received much contempt and indifference from my family for the choice that I have made since knowing the Lord. But the word of God says, consider yourself blessed if you are persecuted for the risen Christ's sake. He also gave me opportunities to share the gospel at my workplace. In fact, I had the honor of giving the Bible to each and every team member of mine. Through all of this, I have learned that it is most important that our lives reflect the work that the Lord has done. We are being observed while being ambassadors of Christ. After a wait of five years, Donald and I were married in 2007 and we had Nehara, our first child in the year 2011. While we were enjoying our gift from heaven, my health failed and I lost 68 pounds in a matter of seven months. This season was filled with struggle in my faith and I had my doubts on the existence of God. The doctors suspected lymphoma after they scanned the nodes in my neck. Before we went in for a biopsy, to confirm this, I knelt down to pray despite being defiant and heard a clear, deep voice say, Go in peace. The rational part of me was convinced that I had imagined it. But when I entered the hospital for the surgery, right there on the entrance of the hospital was the word of God from Luke 7.50. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. The rational part... Sorry. The surgeons who operated me were convinced that I had lymphoma. Now they had to confirm it through the tests. The result came back as negative. But the trial did not stop here. While on my way to work, I started having muscle cramps in my face that crept up to my face and upper body. I immediately asked our driver to take me home. I was very dis- disoriented and could barely talk. And as we were getting back, two words flashed in my mind, cardiac arrest. I mustered up my leftover energy and shouted, take me to the hospital. At the ER, the doctors thought that I was hyperventilating, but quick tests proved that all electrolyte levels in my body were dangerously low. The doctor told my husband that I would have had a cardiac arrest hadn't I reached on time. I see God's providence and mercy in all of this because neither the doctors nor could we foresee loss of electrolytes in my body after I quickly lost weight. Our God is a God of second chances. He had given me a new lease of life to witness his faithfulness and grace. While I was still in the hospital, Donald was offered this role out of nowhere to come to the United States. This was the third time he was being offered to come here. We took the step of faith and agreed. I was so grateful that Donald's mom also miraculously got her visa to travel with us as I was still frail. One of the doctors that I started consulting here advised us against the possibility of pregnancy since I was still weak, but God would have it otherwise. He gave us the gift of one more life to be added to the family. At the 20th week of pregnancy, we received the devastating news that left that baby's um, left lung was a tumor instead of healthy lung tissue. The doctors had given us the choice to terminate her life. God's peace and God's people's love prevailed. In his wisdom, we decided to keep this precious gift. We praise God that today Neriah is a healthy baby with no signs of tumor. It has been easier for me during trials to ask the Lord, why me? But my prayer is that I remember his mercy in choosing me and saving me so as to ask him, why me? Jesus is the author, the way, the finisher of our faith. My grateful, I'm grateful to him 
and this church for giving me this chance to testify what God has done in my life. This has helped me recount my blessings and wonder. Psalm 8.4 What is man that you are mindful of him? As Kara Tippetts wrote uh, during her battle with cancer, she is also the author of the blog Mundane Faithfulness. I do not feel like I have the courage for this journey, but I have Jesus and he will provide. He has given me much to be grateful for and that gratitude, that wandering over his love will cover us all and it will carry us carry us in ways that we cannot comprehend. Thank you. Resurrection power is not just a historical reality that has significance 2,000 years ago. We say Jesus is risen because he is still at work, and these realities are still all defining. Would you join me as uh, we pray? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and the effects that are still fresh in Maya's heart and mind, Lord, as she is struck by your goodness, struck by your providential and perfect and loving timing, as she's struck by your perfect providing for her every need. Lord, we praise you, we adore you, we worship you on this resurrection day because Jesus is alive. We worship a living king who rose from the dead and that same power has been at work in Maya and the Thompi family. We continue to ask, Lord, for more of that evidence, uh, not for our own good and enjoyment, but for the glory of the King, that his name would be um, revered and worshipped throughout this land, throughout this uh, um, world. Use this, Lord, testimony of your grace for that purpose, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I interact briefly with Maya's story, I want to set the foundation by focusing on, reminding us of why we're gathered here on this glorious Sunday, which is the same reason we gather here on any Sunday. The gospel accounts tell us that late afternoon on that fateful Friday, a disciple of Jesus named Joseph of Arimathea went to the authorities to ask for permission to take Jesus' body down from the cross and bury him in Joseph's personal tomb. The Roman centurions had made sure that Jesus was dead. Failure to execute, to carry out their job, was not an option. Failure would mean severe consequences. Jesus' body was taken down, wrapped in a linen cloth, laid in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. A large stone was rolled in front of that tomb to seal it. Jesus' enemies feared that the disciples would steal the body and claim that he had risen from the dead, so a guard was posted in front of the tomb. On the third day, early in the morning, Mary Magdalene and some of the other female disciples arrived at the tomb. They had come to anoint Jesus' body, not quite sure how they would move this stone sealing the entrance, but they found that there had been an earthquake and an angel who rode the stone away had caused the guards to flee in fear. 
the angel still there said to the women, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Later, Peter and John heard the news from them, went running to the tomb to see for themselves, and the gospel accounts go out of their way to tell us in an editorial comment, they still didn't understand. Why? Because death is final, and its reversal doesn't make any sense. But this is what would make perfect sense to the disciples in the days and weeks ahead. There was no body. Had any of Jesus' many enemies produced his body, Christianity would have died out like so many other movements that had followed so-called saviors and messiahs. It would have become a footnote in history at best. But that didn't happen. And not only did it never happen, but a very alive Jesus appeared to his disciples over the course of weeks. And 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that he appeared to over 500 of the disciples. Any one of them could have cracked under the pressure of persecution and given away the conspiracy, but they didn't because there was no conspiracy. Instead, all there was was a history-changing, life-transforming, death-destroying truth, the reality that Jesus, God the Son, had defeated sin and death by rising from the dead, by walking out of that tomb. So many of those disciples would go to their violent deaths knowing, insisting, these things were true. Author Frederick Beekner writes this, there really is no story about the resurrection in the New Testament, except in the most fragmentary way it is not described at all. There's no poetry about it. Instead, it is simply proclaimed as a fact. Christ is risen. In fact, the very existence of the New Testament itself proclaims it, unless something very real indeed took place on that strange, confused morning there would be no New Testament, no church, no Christianity. In the book of Ephesians, which was probably written about three decades after Christ, the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church shows that resurrection, three decades later, is still front and center, is still the defining reality for followers of Christ. Let me read this prayer starting in verse 15 of chapter 1. Listen carefully. These are God's words. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is God's word. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this prayer from the apostle preserved for us. Thank you that it is still a central prayer that we need to pray today. And this day, Lord, we ask, as Paul did, that we might know this incomparably great power according to the working of your mighty strength poured out upon us in fresh ways, we ask in the name of the risen Savior himself, Jesus. Amen. At the heart of this prayer is that believers might know God's incomparably great power according to the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's what Paul wants for the believers in the church at Ephesus. In other words, uh, his prayer is for Christians to know and to experience resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus on that first Easter Sunday. In Maya's grace story, I want to briefly highlight three effects of resurrection. The first is darkness into light, terrifying out-of-body experiences with unknown higher powers. I, I don't think many of us have experienced what Maya is describing from her childhood, but if you could call anything spiritual darkness, I think that would qualify, don't you? Out-of-body experiences, unknown gods, Remarkably, even though Maya sent out that desperate prayer to any of the uh, thousands of Hindu deities, remarkably, the one true God who is not numbered among them, who stands apart from them as the only real God, remarkably, the one true God answered that prayer. He heard the cry of her heart. To use the language of Ephesians 2, right after the prayer I read, Maya was dead in her transgressions and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, made her alive with Christ. He applied resurrection power to Maya. Darkness also describes physical death, doesn't it? Whether it's a coffin or an ancient tomb carved out of the rock, the body is laid in darkness. So for Jesus to walk out of it, before dawn on Easter Sunday, darkness is transformed into light. A second effect of resurrection is chaos into order. Maya was so sick, she says she's lost 68 pounds in seven months. All the signs, the examination um, pointed to lymphoma before the surgery was conducted. Cancer is chaos. It, it, it's uh, cells multiplying uh, out of proportion, out of control, pushing healthy tissues out of the way for the biopsy to come back negative, for Maya's body to reverse course and recover health. That is a picture of what resurrection power does. It brings order from chaos, sickness, disease, injury. The, these are um, ways that our bodies are not the way they're they were created by God to be, to thrive. And so the promise of resurrection on that last day has a very physical and material aspect to it. Our bodies will be made whole. Breakdown and decay will be pushed away and even reversed when God raises up the dead gloriously. 
Resurrection brings chaos into order. And then a third and last effect of resurrection power is that it transforms fear into joy and confidence. I cannot imagine going in for a routine ultrasound with Cedar, excitedly expecting to find out boy or girl at week 20, but instead hearing from the doctor and expert second opinions that there is a tumor instead of a left lung, that this baby who is here for the first time this morning, worshiping with us, has very little chance to survive, and that her small chance of survival might very well put mom's life at risk. I cannot imagine that turn of events and hearing that kind of news. Look, answers to prayer don't always come out like this one did. Christians experience tragedies just like non-Christians do. But baby Naraya made it to term and went home with mama after two days, just like every other healthy newborn. Praise God. Prayer does not always get answered the way we would expect a loving and almighty God to answer our prayers. He does not respond to the push-button requests of our finite minds who only want um, our own comfort and pleasure and ease of life. But God, in this particular instance, as Donald and Maya trusted steadfastly no matter what would happen, but God, those are gospel words, but God transformed fear into joy and then confidence that he is a good God just like he did in the disciples who scattered on Thursday night into Friday, hid in fear that they would be next, arrested and tried and executed. But then on Sunday, finding that their dead Savior had risen from the dead, they overflowed with joy. And then later, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, they overflowed with confidence and boldness at proclaiming this world-changing news. Resurrection means that death can take its best shot, that death might even win the battle of survival, at least temporarily, but that the mighty one who exerted his power to raise his son from the dead can do the same for you. It means that your worst fears don't have to overcome you. The empty tomb means that your worst suffering and pain and persecution can one day be forgotten, wiped away. It means that death can be raised into new life if you trust that the death of this risen one, the death that preceded his rising from the dead, was experienced in your place to pay the penalty for your sin. I'll close with this account of an Arab chief telling a story of a spy who was captured and sentenced to death by a general in the Persian army. This general had the strange custom of giving the condemned prisoners a choice between the firing squad and a big black door. The spy hesitated for a long time, but then he chose this firing squad. And moments later, shots rang out. The general turned to his aide and said, 
they always prefer the known to the unknown. And the aide asked, what lies beyond the big door? The general said, freedom. I've only known a few brave enough to take it. Don't let that story mislead you, though. If you do not know the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the risen one, if you're not a believer in Jesus, if you're not a follower of Christ, salvation does not mean that you need to make the right choice, that you need to navigate life and avoid the obstacles just the right way to experience freedom and new life. Salvation in Christ means that he made all the right choices through his perfect life while he was on earth. Salvation means that Christ um, walked through the big black door of death, suffering hell on the cross in your place. Salvation means that he has faced the unknown, that he was willing to go to the cross to be forsaken by the Father for your sin, and he offers you new life. He offers you freedom and forgiveness if you'll trust in him, if you will believe that these things are most true, true above all other realities, true above every competing claim, that this is the way. No, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. That alone gives us reason to trust and to walk by faith, even through the trials of life. Let's pray on this resurrection morning. Lord, we want more of your life. We want more of your working, of your mighty strength, which you exerted in Christ when you raised your own son from the dead. We want more of that 2,000 years later, Lord, that we might walk in newness of life, that we might taste freedom and forgiveness, that we might be restored one day with every hint of death and sin and all of its related consequences wiped away. Father, bring resurrection to us this day. Raise the dead, we ask. In the name of Jesus himself, amen.